0: Hi everyone. My name is Amy Blair. I'm the founder and CEO of Batik Boutique. We're a social enterprise based in Malaysia, working with hand-dyed textiles and making really fun, amazing apparels and homewares and gifts for the whole world. Um, Our mission is to disrupt the cycle of poverty in Malaysia, and we do that through giving people real-life skills and jobs and income through this super cool fabric called Batik that's traditional from this part of the world. And I'm happy to be here today.
1: Okay, so... I am like literally picking off parts of the world and I'm like, I love that you're in Malaysia. Score! This is fantastic. Yeah, like no one
0: knows who that is anyway, just so you know, but <laughs> well, you know, that's you know, right. It's
1: a, it is a shame because in the States, as we know, we have geography classes. We have them. Mm-hmm. And yet the second that someone walks out of geography classes, it's, I mean, no one remembers. No one remembers at all. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We've um, got but, a lot of know, states. You know, let's just talk, let's just talk about that right now. Let's do a geography class for all the individuals that are listening right now to find out where is Malaysia. Um, And let's just talk about very short, because I want to talk about who you are first. How did you get there?
0: Yeah, that's a funny question, isn't it? Um, So Malaysia is this small country of about 30 million people, um, about the size of Texas, which is where I'm originally from. And it is in Southeast Asia. So it's funny. Most people have heard of Singapore or Thailand. And the funny story is Singapore used to actually be part of Malaysia. And Malaysia's in between Singapore and Thailand. So I'm not sure where we got lost. Everyone knows Bali. Everyone knows Thailand and Singapore. But actually, we're like just right in the middle there. Um, really cool tropical place. It's summer year-round here. We have hot and rainy. And that's the like kind of two seasons we get. Um, yeah, so my background, I'm actually from Texas originally, I said. Uh, my background's in tourism and in customer service and uh, hospitality industry. So I came to Malaysia actually 14 years ago um, on a two-year contract working Whoa, in wait, 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 yeah. so, wait, so wait. much,
1: so much that you're saying so
0: much, much. So, much. so much, and I, I had to so
1: get a fan because as you're talking about Malaysia, I'm like, like you okay, got hot. hot, you got I'm hot, it's hot. <laughs> starting to get hotter than you. Feel. Okay, so wait, um, I just sweat like for a living, just so you know, I just sweat all the time. <laughs> Because, you know, the best part is you talk just as fast as I do, which is awesome. Uh, They're like, I go, you talk fast. I go, it's not talking fast. It's the fact that we're passionate about what we do.
0: There's a difference.
1: There's a difference. So um, rewind. So now we have a little bit of taste of Malaysia, but let's talk about who Amy is first before, because there's like, you have so much to unravel. Um, Okay. You said you were from Texas. Um, Talk about like when, like, you're an entrepreneur. Are you, an, are you an entrepreneur because this is the family that you came from in Texas? Entrepreneurship? Or, I mean, what does the family do and what did you do before? Because you said that you were in sales.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm from a small town in Texas. Small town. Um, went to What's University the name of the Texas. town? Texarkana. It's on the border of Texas and Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. I went to Texas A&M University. Um, Love it. I went to me-
1: University of Houston for a bit.
0: Oh, nice. We're like neighbors.
1: Yeah. yeah it, like Texas A&M so- parties were amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, no, this is so far away from like any way I grew up. I mean, literally I'm from the most non-diverse background of a school and even town where I live, small, you know. And I, uh, when I was at university, it was probably the first time I even encountered anyone really not like myself, if that makes sense. Like, um, so that was really fascinating for me. I was always intrigued. My degree was in communication and I my favorite like subject was the intercultural communication yeah. stuff. So I, I've always really liked people different than me. Um, I don't have a background in entrepreneurship, but my father actually, it's a funny story. He was um, a police chief where I grew up. So you couldn't, I couldn't get away with like anything because somebody told him or somehow he found out, or he just made me think he knew and I just confessed or something. I'm not sure. But um, so, but my dad actually, that was a huge inspiration for me just in all of this, because he always was bringing in um, new programs for like less fortunate or working in, just the flats where we lived or places like that, uh, drug resistance programs, um, you know community health things like he really used his platform for diversity and for um, helping less fortunate people. Yep. So as a kid he took me around with him. that was I probably was very much exposed to just differences more than I understood at the time um, and really saw a person of service and of um, community. And so that's always really stuck with me and I think really shaped like just who I am. And so I've kind of always been, I've always been attracted to people like different than me, Um, which coming from my small town in Texas, wasn't, there wasn't a lot, a lot to work with there. Um, So in college, I started traveling a bit um, in the summers, right? So I would do like, I would go teach English somewhere. I ended up in Turkey, which I didn't, I was like, I thought that was like the thing you ate at Thanksgiving. I didn't realize it was again, my geography there. I didn't actually know it was a country, right? But I think just through traveling and through my parents' influence of just um, kind of more nonprofit work, it really shaped kind of what I wanted to be about and what I wanted to do. So I got a well, job a like second, everybody. But,
1: but the thing is, I like, go, oh, so you, I mean, um, traditionally, as everyone sees a so parent, I mean, like, I, like, I, I, I'm going to actually use an example of um, yeah. a former, a former love. I always say former love, like for, former boyfriend, like ex-boyfriend, form, a former love, Petrie, Georgia. Um, pk, his dad was a preacher, and he was a pk. And his best friend, his dad was the head of DEA, and he and and his best friend got in trouble all the time with drugs. And so, you just say traditionally, when your parents have these roles, you want to try to stand out on your own by doing things like you know that will shake it up a little bit. Um, and you were saying how like obviously you couldn't get any, you couldn't get away with anything because of of the town that you lived in, and everyone would call your dad. Um, but how, uh, do you have
0: siblings? Yeah. I've got one brother. Yeah. older.
1: Traditionally, it's very hard to define who you are when you have a dad or a mom that have these roles. I go, and again, whether it's like a teacher, whether it's a PK, I mean, whether, whether it's a preacher, whether it's a priest, there's all these, like these uh, expectations of you. And you're like, because of these expectations and I'll even use the Disney kids where I'm expected to be a good kid. And I'm like, you know what? Let me shake it up by doing a movie or a Harry Potter. Where yeah, like, yeah. Um, got, Harry Potter just did plays. So like all these expectations and all these thoughts that are people in people's heads. And now you decide to start traveling around the world. What were the yeah. thoughts of the exact, like you could see it right now. Like I'm like, go oh, the people. So your parents are influencing you inside the house. People on the outside don't know that you're from a, a small town, tight knit what are people starting to say or think, and how are they trying to get into your head, influence you by like, what yeah. are you doing traveling around all these different worlds where we have a beautiful community right here?
0: Well, let me first say that I did plenty of things to try to rebel against all of the rules that were set before me. Okay. I, we won't talk about all of this because this is recorded for the internet, but um, I guess my rebellious ways later in life became a bit like Oh, yeah, like I'm from this place where everyone's the same, like, I just want to do something different. So probably that inspired me to travel really and I didn't travel to like normal places. That's the next part of me right I didn't, I mean, I'm talking about Turkey, Malaysia, like people are like, I'm sorry, where Um, I've been to Iraq, I've been to Iran, I've been to Egypt, Cairo, you know, like just crazy places. And I haven't been to like some of the most normal places, like, I don't know, Italy or something. (laughs) Neither have I. Like South America, you know, like, so I think probably that little, that little streak inside of me, which we can get into later actually helps you be a good entrepreneur but mm-hmm. that street, that little like difference of, and that little, like, can't quite fit in the box or stay or want my lane wider or something, you know, like can't quite like follow all the rules. Like, yeah, it super helps you in, in, in running a business. Right. But um yeah that's that's a lot of it is it's come of that a bit rebellion so I I kind of went to see where's the furthest place I can go and what's the like most extreme thing I can do or something with my traveling and but I how did the did...
1: community see you because I mean these are oh. individuals that you went to school
0: with oh yeah it, yeah, yeah, yeah so
1: yeah. how do your, your one family time, your
0: friends one time, yeah there's like a well I mean I'm kind of known for these things this is some of me I've always been a person who again this is coming from my father as well but I've always been a person who stands up for like the underdog and kind of who, if something's not right, like I'll voice out about like, Hey, why? Like I ask a question of why are we do this? If you know, so on some level, I think it doesn't surprise people because of just my demeanor. And I'm generally pretty friendly person who kind of makes friends along the way. So I think that part didn't surprise them, but also, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit like, you know, I was the roommate in college who the night we were supposed to be studying for exams decided we should paint our bedrooms or something, or like, you know, dress up in prom dresses and go to the grocery store. I mean, like just like random stuff. So again, I don't think like that. Knows <laughs> me, someone who knows me, like, wouldn't totally be shocked by this, but yeah, I mean, it blew my little town away because, uh, I remember one time I think I just all I did was like go teach English one summer in Turkey. Right. Like this is not like a big thing. Like it's like a month of my life here. Right. And I yeah, whatever. But this little small town like magazine at the time. I mean, this is, you know, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, They were like they wanted to write an article about me. And I was like, wait, did no one leave? Like, am I the only person that ever (laughs) left this place? So at some level, it, it's like a little bit, you're a bit weird and awkward and they don't know what to do with you. But another level, I think people in general, like really, it, honestly, like we kind of admire people who just don't follow the status quo. Like if there's a reason, I don't mean just to be like random for no reason. But so at some level, I kind of became a little bit of a minor, minor celebrity also because of my dad was also kind of a minor celebrity. So it was like, you know, his, his like junior version kind of thing um yeah so I think in, now they can't now the comments are funny like like one time I had a guy ask me at church I went to church with my parents and that was like a shocker after living in another country without churches like for two years and this they're doing the like stand up and greet and shake the hand thing yeah, you know mm-hmm, yep. when we shook hands like pre-covid you used to touch people I mean you should like shake hands right Catholic I know like I mean it's the whole time Yep. I think one day my dad was so excited to have us back visiting he was like greeting some guy and he was like Hey, this is my daughter. She lives in Malaysia, like this. And, and the guy goes, Malaysia. This is like Texas guy, you know, it's like Malaysia. Where's that in South America? And I was just like, oh my God, I've just spent my two years in my life. And this guy just asked me if I've been in South America, you know. So again, things like that have been where I come from. It's just like, you know, I mean, I didn't even own a passport or hadn't left the state hardly, you know, mm-hmm. except maybe like twice ever. So yeah, it's a really big deal for people um, to get out of there. <laughs> so, needless to say, I, I couldn't, I didn't go back, like in terms of like even my parent, My parents actually moved to Dallas, like a, a bigger city, you know, uh-huh. um, which helped me when I'd come back to visit a little. It's a little more diverse and a little more, you know, fast paced and things that are more, a bit more my style. But yeah, they're good people, though. Good people. No, you know what? I
1: always say that people. The world. So, views, smaller.
0: Well, I always say, like, I go wherever I go, whether it's
1: big or small. I mean, I live in a quintessential New England town, 20,000 mm-hmm. residents um, uh, 16 miles from Boston, but I always Mm -hmm. get at everyone where, you know what? I, I enjoy where I am because if anything else, you are the point of education. You are the point of opening up the minds of other people. Um, they may not know now when they're talking to you and you may like, I mean, there are times where I'm like, I go in my mind. I'm like, okay, don't roll your eyes in front of them. Just do it in your head. Just do it in your head. But then you're like realizing we are the ones that do it for other people that will never do it
0: yeah yeah okay I mean, they do, so people like in here because again they're they, i think they people want to do something it's just there's different people who actually do it and who just mm-hmm. like kind of want to and don't so yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah the doers i mean we we are doers we're absolutely doers um where are you go so walk me through like so you t- you did a one month on um, teaching english in turkey and then from that point on what happens then so like walk me through till i us just like your first job
0: so from that point to your first job yeah so my first job actually, my minor was in tourism management, and I got really <laughs> apparently I enjoyed this travel thing. So I kind of like went anywhere I could, anywhere I could, anytime I could. Um, I got a bit fascinated with the Middle East and like mm-hmm. um, like uh, Arab culture and people and um, even like even like Islam a bit because it was so different than any, you know, it was kind of like 9-11 had happened and you know, mm-hmm. just different things in that day and time and I was fascinated with, I had made some good friends at school who were Muslim and they were like, so not like anything I saw happening on television. So I just became, again, my background in communication, I became pretty fascinated with like people and cultures. And so that's, I did a lot of travel. My first job after university was actually, at an, a nonprofit that actually did tourism, um, working with groups and churches and like universities, sending people to do these programs, like teach English and stuff. So mm-hmm. I coordinated all of their travel um, and a lot of their training. So what that meant for me is also, I also got to travel um, and lead some of these groups to places. So. Uh, that was really fascinating. Um, yeah. So that was a big part of my life and I got to see the world and uh, do it while I was getting paid barely any money, but you know, I was, I was sort of getting paid at a nonprofit, but yeah, so that was my first job and it led me to want to do more in terms of like, um, but I wanted to get back to the hospitality industry. And so that's where this opportunity came. Um, actually, I moved to Connecticut for a while, speaking up kind of more in your neighborhood. Um, And helps our friends of ours work with uh, a nonprofit that was partnering with Yale for a while about interfaith dialogue and it was very academic and I enjoyed the startup side of it so I helped with like fundraising and like the programs and facilities and things. Uh, But the content was like just engaging at a level like way over my head. So Mm -hmm. I was just sitting there fascinated that people actually were having conversations about stuff I could not even understand. Um, But I also realized like through that, that was a kind of a starting thing. So I guess that was kind of my first like startup kind of job. It wasn't mine, but I worked in it and I learned Mm -hmm. a lot um, just from the grassroots and bootstrapping and ground up type things. And then this opportunity came up with some friends of mine um, to come to Malaysia and I had actually traveled once to Malaysia and of all the places I had been in the world, I, I loved every place I've been, but it was probably the one place I actually said that was a nice trip, but I couldn't ever see myself living there. Every other place really? I practically find out in my life. Every time I went there, I was like, you know, I had like five years down and I had this condo on the Bosphorus, and this, this, and I was going to do this. And yeah, I don't know why I well, first of all, I'm like five, eight. Um, and I like am gigantic here compared to like <laughs> the Asian version of Malays and Malays. they're just small people. So like, I already, I felt like the jolly green giant, you know? I and my hair, my eyes like nothing about it. Well, I was gonna say, day. I go, usually,
1: I usually don't even think about the height because I can't tell. I mean, I can't tell how tall yeah, I you are know. from here, but that I mean, the I'm, fair, like, I'm like average, yeah, exactly. America. So, like, I go, when you're in Malaysia, I'm like, it's not like you stand, I mean, you stand out. I mean, when I went to Beijing, literally, people were like, I go, Can we take a photo with you? And like, I go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, I, I stand out here in yeah. Beijing. So, yes, I'm I a totally novelty,
0: get that. Yeah. and I didn't like that. I didn't, so I liked the Middle East more when I could. You know, kind of blend in. I could fit in more. You know, if I dress a certain way or something, like put some sunglasses on. No one kind of really can tell the difference, and you know. But here is like, there's just no, there's nothing I can hide. I mean, like nothing. And I didn't like that. I didn't like being stared at. I didn't like the food. I mean, I loved other types of food of places. I, it's just, it was a lot of rice and a lot of carbs and. But wait, no but the girl, thing is, like, no know, girl like me needs to be carbs all the time. So I was. No, like, but the thing
1: is, like, you just said. I mean, you just said, like, you don't like to stand out. I right, go and by default, as a a child of a a father that's in the, I mean, like your father was a star yeah. <laughs> within a small town. You stood out no matter what. And then all of a sudden now you're in a place where you're like, oh, 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 oh people are noticing me. How, like, where's the disconnect there? Because you were noticed yeah. no matter what, the, when you're growing it up.
0: Totally extreme. I mean, I like to stand out and like what I do. I think it was more like I physically didn't want to stand out. I never was a minority. I mean, get mm-hmm. this right. Mm-hmm. I'm a white girl from a upper class, middle class town, small town, East Texas. Like, yep. I never knew what it was like, apart from being a woman, but even then my father was very empowering to me. So he always told me I can do whatever I want. So I never, you know, I never really felt this thing that girls feel or that a minority race feels. I never felt any of that really. Right. So now all of a sudden I'm like thrust into this world where like everybody stares at me and like, I don't like what they're staring at and like their comments. And I was trying to learn language and I could start understanding. And I was just like, and, and generally speaking, I'm from the South where everyone compliments everyone about everything, whether they mean it or not. Girl, oh, I like that. Where'd you get it? Your hair, this, you know, like we just tell each other all these, nice everyone things. says, good morning. Everyone's like Mickey. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. like, you know? That was, that's the biggest thing
1: where it's like, I, go, I always know when someone like, someone sees me, they're like, I go, I, I did a speaking engagement a few weeks back. And while wow, a young lady's so like, I go, I go, hello, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm like, you're from the South. And she's like, how do you know? I'm like, I go, we don't say that up here. You look, like, we yeah. just, we don't greet people yeah. that way. I like, yeah. Exactly. I go. So it is really interesting that you were like, oh my God, what is happening here?
0: Yeah. And I never had, I mean, just different ways. And sometimes it's like, I was a celebrity because I was different, but other times I've been majorly discriminated against because I'm Mm -hmm. different. So that's all of that. It was more extreme. So I, 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 I like attention. I mean, I like attention. I'm generally like, like in a group of people, like I'll end up being the one that's like the, I mean, this is just me, you know, like, but, but this is like another level. This was like, it was too extreme Mm -hmm. because it was either like, all negative attention or completely positive. So I had just gotten married and my husband and I moved to Malaysia together and yeah. he, he lives in Afghanistan before we got married, if that tells you anything about this combo we've got going on. Um, so we're just a little bit out there. Um, and so here we are now in Malaysia. And so like, we'd only been married like not even two years when we got here. And like, we're not planning to start a family yet because we just moved across the world and sold yeah. all of our belongings and said goodbye to everything. So like, I wasn't trying to also like get a baby at the same time, right? And so, so here we are and like everybody we would meet, people would come to us and be like, oh, how long have you been married? And we're like, oh, we're like newlyweds thinking like, oh, a year and a half or so. And they'd be like, what's wrong? And we're like, "What's what? Like, we didn't even know what they meant, you know? And they're like, why, why are you not pregnant? And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, there's like a, like, there's a whole, re, there's a whole plan with why I'm not pregnant, you know? And <laughs> then that even, they just couldn't understand, like, why would you do that? you know? And, and there's this whole, in this culture, there's this whole, um, like it's a bit like prove your fertility straight yeah. away. You, mm-hmm. you you need to get pregnant now. Like you get married and you just try to get pregnant right away. You can stop after that. It's not like you need to keep going. It's just like, you just need to prove that it all works. And then people will back off you. You get one, you can wait like four more years, no big deal, but you don't get one in that literally your first year. And it's the, so, so people would come give my husband like special coffee at their house oh. and be like, it's they had like, you know, vitamins or something in it, or, they would ask me if I was okay, but it's this weird talk that like, we just didn't do that where I come from. Like you don't ask those questions. Are like So you're, me so you're how learning how about, so you're there, I'm so sorry to interrupt. So you're in yeah.
1: there and you are now learning about, I mean, so you decide to leave Um, your like, again, your newlyweds, you're in new culture. So there was a little thing about something that you missed out. So you are there because friends asked you to come or, so yeah. I'm, I'm no, missing me. that little beat yeah. where we like, we I, went there so were, quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, they're working for a company, and we had this opportunity to explore. Um, it was like reviewing for hotels and resorts and facilities. Okay. And they had this. Uh, they were working mostly in Central and South America, like villas, beach resorts, like more five star level. Yeah. Well, they had the clientele coming from the UK. They they knew Americans wouldn't travel this far for to book with them, but they had these um, these British like clients coming from there that they thought maybe as opposed to go to Central and South America, they could also go to Asia. Yep. So they picked a tropical place and based in Malaysia, that's how Malaysia came up um, because it has good international airports and things. and you could go to Bali and Phuket and all these cool places yep. that have villas and more of the you know, and so they wanted some someone to come out there to do research to see if it's a viable market um to try to market their uh, products and and villas and hotels in this region and which ones. And so we would have to review it. we would have to go this is the other side of my life now, okay. I'm like the Jolly Green Giant who's like, why are you not pregnant and you're so huge? To like, I'm reviewing five-star resorts like at the Bulgari where the Prince of Saudi Arabia is visiting in Bali. I mean, I can't explain this stuff, you know? Um, so that's what I did. I got paid to tell five-star resorts what was wrong with them. <laughs> which,
1: which you <laughs> know what, which is in, in true reality, that's not a bad gig. It's not a bad which gig. Which is about
0: the opposite yeah. of my life right now. I'm just gonna tell you.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> how did I go? So how did we get to where we are right now? Um So, I mean, well, that was 14 years ago. Where do you want me to start? Well, you know, no, like, well, I, there's, there's two, two things I go. So number one is how did you meet your spouse? Because now you are, are you meeting in the States, in Texas, in your town? Are you meeting in Dallas? Where did you guys meet? And also how did you get to the point where you're doing, I mean, are you guys doing business together? And then we could start talking about the business.
0: Okay. So we, he, this is funny. He's actually from a small town called Tyler, which is like three hours away from Texarkana, but it's a very similar small town thing. Mm -hmm. We actually went to the same university, but it's huge. So we didn't even know each other there because it's just huge. And he's a few years older than me. He's an engineer. Um, he, so we, we have very similar, I our families both live in the same city now. It's just funny. Right. So you would think that like, you know, we would have met there, but we actually met. People, people just don't realize how big Texas is. So. So I mean, had to in go to New England, years. I
1: can get in my car and I can drive two hours, and I've gone through New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, <laughs> Texas. I go where for you guys? Like I go, I mean, and I mean, and I was just like, again, recently in California, where I was through the we Big Sur, eight hours, and I'm like, why am I still in the Big Sur? So in Texas, I remember the same thing from Houston driving to Florida. Everyone's like, how long is that going to take? I go, a long time, a long, oh, long time. So so although it's big, doesn't mean that you're going to ever see someone that you would ever yeah. I mean,
0: like yeah no uh so yeah so we met in turkey um okay. on a, we were both traveling so he worked well, you been in
1: Turkey?
0: yeah on one of the trips so we both ended up on the same trip to turkey teaching english there um and yeah and he was working at the time i was still in university he was working as an engineer and just took time like a holiday kind of thing mm-hmm. to go there he actually ended up in afghanistan after that i apparently i was so uh, so amazing to him he left the country and decided to go to afghanistan of all places um, but he was working on, at, on holiday or for work. No, he lived there for two years um, okay. before we, like, we were just friends, but, um, he was working as an engineer, but also doing, working with an NGO there and actually a local NGO doing mm-hmm. like really cool projects, like, um, clean water campaigns, having Taliban turn in their weapons to get business loans. Like, uh, oh, he nice. lived with Afghans. He learned Dari, which is the local language. Like he lived very, very local. I mean, he was a single guy. He had a friend with him. Two of them did it. Um, And he had the greatest experience in the world of it. Meanwhile, I was like, you know, gallivanting all over the the Middle East and the world on the other side doing all this traveling. And he was living in this one place and has crazy stories, very interesting. So when he came back to visit his family, actually, just after his two-year contract was over, he had planned to go back. And then we kind of reconnected and realized at that point, we're like, you know, I was working now and just different stage of life, right? um and kind of realized it's funny we realized we had a lot of the same vision and values in life um and so we connected very deeply very quickly but we would joke like I mean like what's your middle name you know and like I mean what do you like to do you know like we kind of had this like deep connection and had to try to work it backwards like well I mean do we actually like like each other do we want to spend time together like you know um so it was actually very quick we we only we knew each other years you know but we actually only dated like three months and then we got engaged and then three months later we got married. So like within all within like six months is how I
1: always tell people like, oh when you know you know. Don't waste time yeah. when you know you know.
0: Yeah. And we ended up that's where we both knew because we were doing this stuff independently of one another. So it was like mm-hmm. we knew that this was something in our future. And I think we wanted to try to live abroad maybe before kids was kind of the idea, you know what I mean? Like get this thing out and then come settle down like you're supposed to do, I guess. Um, so that was a long time ago. Here we are. Um, so now so you're here we, in Malaysia. Yeah. So we got in Malaysia actually with my job. And then he decided to do an MBA because okay. again, this was only a two-year gig as well. Right. So in that time he could do his MBA. I did the travel. Um, my first child, I have three kids. My first child was born um, during that first two years. Thank God I, that coffee must've worked or something, but I had to prove it. I had to prove that I could do this too. Oh, and you should see when they see like, you know, a Caucasian woman pregnant in this place that you just like, I think they didn't think we knew how to do this or how to make a baby or something that the stairs you would get would just be like, yeah, we did this too, you know? Um, so my first son was born here and actually all three of my kids are born here, but, um, and then that kind of changed everything different. I mean, here we were these young, practically like, you know, just like do what you want people. And, um, doing our thing. And then a child obviously comes in the mix and that changed things. And I think Mm -hmm. we realized, so we had planned eventually two years and then come back or something, but, or move somewhere else. We kind of thought maybe we'd live in another country, like just try people out but we really loved Malaysia. That's what happened. So we fell in love with the culture, the people, as much as I'm joking about it. Like I genuinely love this place and the people and there's just, it's stunning. The people are stunning, but the, the landscape, the culture, like it's just so rich and so stunning and so different. Well, I,
1: mean, like, I mean, honestly, all the pictures that they have, like people ever post, like, I mean, they, they're mind blowing. They're absolutely mind blowing yeah. in every single way. Yeah. And, and so- people want to go to Hawaii
0: and I'm like, people, Malaysians want to go to Hawaii. And I'm like, why guys? Like just like go yeah. three hours to the coast, and you're like, is better, you know? So um, yeah. So we, I think the next steps was we started family and then we realized it's really hard to settle somewhere else. Like we were learning language culture, you know, just lively, like where to buy things, what to cook, what to eat, how to make friends, relationships, like all the stuff you take for granted when it's your natural culture or if you yes. like never anywhere, but also doing it in other languages and far away from family and stuff. So I think we realized how difficult it was to really settle in a place, and we mm-hmm. had like good friends and felt like somewhat fit, and so now had this new baby, you know, and we were kind of like, I, I just don't have it in me right now, in the midst of this new life change, also to like up and do this again for fun, like go some other country, like what for? Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt like there was a lot left here and a lot of potential and a lot of untapped opportunity as well. So he, so I took some time off. Um, for my job. I finished my contract and just didn't renew. And then he ended up getting a job in the capital here. So we were, we were on this little Island called Penang and we ended up moving to Kuala Lumpur, which is the capital because there's just more opportunity, especially for foreigners, you know, here. And he started consulting and like had different projects. And we kind of just like he kind of just went from one thing to the next. He got a couple of local partners. And so it was really him doing things. And this is where I was staying home. I had another child in the midst of this. So there are two boys that are two years apart. And so I was just kind of doing the like toddler life mommy thing. Um, But I'm not a person who can like, I'm just not like, I can't just do that. Like I'm, I I mean, people who can actually, I super respect because I'm just like, I cannot like, um, I need something else at the same time. So I would bake. I mean, I needed anything, you know, some outlet, like, especially creativity, I realized. So In this time, I met these ladies, this is now where Baji Boutique, my company comes in. So in this time, I met these ladies who lived at the low cost, like government housing, like the flats, the ghetto over here, right? And they, one of them wanted some work. And I'm like, I don't, it's very normal to have people like cook and clean and stuff for you in this part of the world. But I was doing the stay at home mom thing and I had left a job. So for me, I was also like, no, no, that's like what I do now. Like, this is my only identity It's to do this, you know? So you cannot do this. Um, So then I decided, okay, well, you could babysit (laughs) because I need a break and I need to get some coffee and go to the gym or something. Um, And anyways, I asked this lady, her name's Anna. um, And I asked her, could she teach me language? It's called Bahasa. Could she teach me the local language? And like, and she's not a teacher. I mean, she's just like a lady from the flats, right? And I said, that's actually better. Just talk to me. Let me record things, ask you questions, write things. So that's where, when I began to deeper understand the language and understand her story. Well, we became really good friends. My kids, you know, call her auntie and like, you know, she was there and we were just talking all the time. And her story went that she was a single mom, um, who, uh, has just been trying to make ends meet raising kids by herself struggled because she couldn't find a job that like gave her the hours that she needed to work to also take care of kids because her education level was like, You know, it was like the level where she could work like at a grocery store, Speed Mart, a factory. And those are very and like retail, they're very long hours, right? So how do you have, if you're the only person caring for your kids and you can't afford childcare, like how do you work? Like these long hour jobs that you're qualified for when really you also need to be there, you know, hours for your kids as well. So she was a bit stuck Then she didn't have transportation and there was no local transportation that far out. And it was just kind of like this. And so we began dialoguing, but she wanted to work and, and needed to, but it just was a challenge to figure out how to do all that. Yep. So I think that's where I connected with her as a mother, first of all, because I was a new mom and like, now I'm home with these little people all the time. And, but I knew for the first time, really what it meant to like, literally have your heart like out on little people, you know, walking around. And I, so And because we became friends, the main thing I understood, like, we look so different. We eat so different. We speak so different. You know, like there's, if you put us beside each other, these people are never going to be friends. Right. But actually we're like super close. And what I realized through all of this, and this ties back into just my upbringing and my exposure to, you know, even my degree and different things end of the day, people are people. I mean, that's the thing, right? Women are women, mothers are mothers. So there's nothing else. She doesn't want anything less for her children than I want for mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, the difference where she was born. Yep. Only thing different to me is what I was born into. And that's not a choice that I made. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not a choice she made. And so that, that key, this goes back to this, like injustice thing in me, right. Where I'm like that key about, look, Oh my God, we're actually like the same but we just got born into something different, which gave us different opportunities along the way. And like, that's the difference. And so I kind of made this commitment at the time, like, okay, for however long I'm here in this place, which again, I thought wasn't gonna be very long, but here I am, <laughs> it was, uh, was as long as I'm here, then, then I want to do something like to give other women an opportunity to like have opportunity. I mean, that's all it is. It's create opportunity for people. You can't change someone's life. They, that's they did that themselves, right? But you can give opportunity and give skills. And so that's the whole story of how my company actually started was based on this woman. Because long story short, she owned an old, old, old sewing machine, mm-hmm. and like I didn't know a thing about sewing. And I tried to get her to bake, but she didn't have an oven and couldn't bake. And then we tried to do like catering, and she couldn't cook. And I was like, okay, what can you do? I have this machine, and I'm like, well, I don't sew. So we figured it out and like started making stuff. And that's like, yada, yada, yada. I mean, the rest is kind of history. Um, there's lots so, of women like her who needed opportunity, basically.
1: So you, um, one, one I think that's phenomenal because so many people do not see all those connections and all those like, I go, oh, we're connecting and we're connecting and we're finding ways to like, I go, not only are we connecting, but I'm going to sit there and find a way to solve this problem. Cause this was the problem. And I'm like, I'm going to find a way to solve the problem. I go in. She couldn't, like you just said, she couldn't cook, she couldn't do this, she couldn't do this. I go, I'm going to still find a way to solve this problem. Um, At the beginning, you described a certain material that is known to the area. And so how did this material come into play of this relationship between you and Anna?
0: So this, go back to tourism now in my job, when I was working, um, the biggest thing I realized, um, this is different, like, I mean, I was doing hotels and hospitality, but a major observation I had was in Malaysia where I was living, We have the same like crafters and skills and handicraft and tourism products, you know, that they have in like Indonesia and Bali and Thailand. You know, we have the same concept. But when I would travel there, these other places to to review places, Mm -hmm. I love to go shopping. So I would love to like buy, you know, buy something for somebody from that. But I want it to be authentic from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could see a story or whatever with it. And then I would come back to Malaysia and I would be in this stunning place that's totally untapped and has so much potential. But I would go to the like the night bazaar, a different place, the tourist shop or whatever. And the stuff there I could tell was actually like imported from China or actually f- wood from Thailand. Like, nice. I think, you, Hello, you know, I think like like
1: we, it's yeah. so frustrating, though, because I feel like I travel like you. I travel around the world. And when you pick it up and you see made in China and you're in this amazing place, yeah. this, nothing about this makes sense to me. I go. I understand the whole entire concept of making money off of tourism, but everything is being fueled by one country. But when it can be, but they make it off in the this people. Country.
0: Yeah, give the people their job, right? Absolutely. So, so, so back in that before I met Anna, even I always thought this is such a like waste. Like I just was frustrated with like you know, I knew we had the the crafters and the skill sets, but like, it would either be really expensive, like nice, or, you know, you're not going to buy that. Like for your sister, your friend, like it's like off the charts or like the zipper's broken or the lining is like a green and the bag is orange or something, you know, like things, your, your, eye just like, as a Westerner, like your, eye just can't handle it. The color combo. So I, so previous to meeting Anna, I thought I had this idea that, you know, you know, those things you notice and you're like, oh, somebody should do something about that. Right. Mm -hmm. So this was my, like, oh, somebody should do something about this. Now that was never going to be me, by the way. I was just like, someone should like, there's this gap in the tourism industry here. And I knew from, from tourism perspective, when you travel, you spend more money, you know, you don't understand the currency, you just throw it out like Monopoly. Like, what color do I need to give you for this? Exactly. Like, or like, why, what's what's t shirt T-shirt relax. I'm going to bring back to like you know Uncle Joe? Yeah, you're just relaxed, and so you're more willing to spin, right? It's a yeah. holiday. And so I was like, guys, like you're then country. I felt like was kind of missing out on this opportunity because you've got these people, you know, kind of stuck, you know, here visiting you and want to purchase something, but we're not giving them something that I thought was you know wanted to be purchased. So I always thought like someone should do something in that industry and then when I fast forward because with Anna I had tried like I did some baking for fun I was telling you like and decorating things like just literally a hobby I had when I was a stay-at-home mom um and so I tried to get her to bake and like that didn't work and then she was doing some cooking for us and my husband who's like super easy to please with food kind of came to me one day and was like Amy it's all like brown sauce. Everything's brown. It's like a red or a brown, like a same, like every, like, cause she, it's fine. Like, because she like do something else, you know, Mm -hmm. he was just kind of like, can we get some variety? And so that's when I realized, okay, maybe that's not it. And so when it clicked with me that she had the sewing machine, I remember this thought I had back in the day of tourism of like, Someone should do something about that. So this is where this concept of Batik. So our company name is Batik Boutique. um, But Batik is actually a famous textile from this region of the world. Started in Indonesia, been in Malaysia, and it's this hand printed fabric um, that you use a hot wax. So it's like it's like if you touch a candle and you like put on your fingers and it gets cold, we put these like stamps in a big melted pot of wax and stamp fabric and only then you paint it and Layer it and process it, and it takes days to make each piece, and it's all hand painted and really hard to do. Um, very amazing art, and it's really undervalued um, here locally. And so it's fascinating to see that if you ever saw it, like you would just buy everything in my store and anywhere that looks decent because you're. It's so complicated and like it's it's just stunning to watch. Um, so that's how that got started. I don't come from a textile background. I'm not a designer. I didn't have a business. Like I literally was had a friend and I was trying to help her out. And I had this background, okay, we should use this fabric. I knew nothing about it really. Yeah. Um, and like, had like I'm kind of like this accidental entrepreneur, um, you know, that happened along the way. But then I discovered that I liked it and I was okay at it. <laughs> I was pretty good at it. And so um, I just had, keep going with it and keep expanding and keep doing different things. But it really, but we all keep, even today, like, I can kind of tell you where we are staying a bit if you want, but um we're it's so much at a different place i mean it's like a proper proper business now you know but still the dna of our community like we still work in the same community where the yeah. flats and i still you know talk to her um she comes by the store sometimes and stuff like that and like we are working with wait, yeah, 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 wait. all right
1: so so we're i mean so
0: again so
1: lots of things to ask you we have a yeah. short period of time so we're going okay. to do a rapid rapid fires of like getting like a lot of um there's just a lot to ask right now yeah. Number one, you created
0: this business. So Anna is not involved in this. She was in the beginning, but then later on her eyesight kind of went bad and she ended up getting married and moved to a village like a couple hours away. So we're still like, we're still in touch. Like off the, actually I just messaged with her a couple of days ago. She comes back to the city when she comes, I see her and stuff, but she, for the first couple of years, she was a major part of this because it was really for her. I created oh. a whole business model around helping her have sustainability, have livelihood. And so it was about her sewing everything and her, and me learning how to buy zippers and, you know, come up with like patterns of things that I knew nothing about and stuff like that. I know that. There,
1: there, there was one that I saw that was a triangle, which, uh, which I love that I'm going to definitely like highlight a lot. Cause I thought it was like the coolest thing. Um, we're going to pause on the business because again, like I, 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 we have, you just gave me so much, which I love, but there's still so much to ask you. So it's going to be like, um, rapid, Ready. rapid questions Ready. here. Um, Ready. 20, uh, March, 2020 comes in. Uh, tourism is a big thing for what, where yeah. you live. Um, yeah. the pandemic is the buzz starts happening. The pandemic happens. Tell me quickly in regards to like, which is so horrible that I'm just saying, tell me quickly, but how did the pandemic affect you, your business and your family?
0: Wow. I'm not sure I can rapid fire this one. but I, I know. I mean, it's like, I go, it's like, it's one of those oh. moments where I'm like, I go, it's such a, we had- it's, it's such a big thing, especially because
1: Malaysia and Bali are known for tourism.
0: Yeah. And my, a lot of my retail customers were coming from tourism, trip advisor, those kind of things and everything. shut. So the government gave us 24 hour notice that all businesses closed. So I had 24 hours to, to, to close three, two outlets at a time. I have three now, but two outlets, all my, my like staff in my office, none of who had ever worked from home, like ever didn't even own computers. So we were literally not even sitting just laptops. We we're sitting like PCs home with people. <laughs> we were just like 24 hour notice. That's all we got. Uh, My kids had to go to e-school. I have three kids in junior high, elementary, and preschool. I got all the grade levels right now Um, needing to go to e-school. We just got this rescue puppy. So we had this like dumb dog all of a sudden in the midst of us. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to even, what is Zoom? I mean, I know we all know now, but like nobody knew what that was. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like Zoom, what is this Zoom? Google Meets, what in the world? Like, And try to have like a meeting while I've literally got three kids and a dog on top of me trying to, can also need to be on a device for something. Mm -hmm. Same day, like in the next couple of weeks, my husband was working in another company. Um, It was a startup company of our friends. They went upside down in the midst of this related to oil and gas prices. So in one day, I got my children's international school fee bill. Same day, while we're tra- like, they had rules that you couldn't even leave your compound, like your garden. Like my kids couldn't even like go ride a bike. It was so hardcore here. You couldn't one person could go buy groceries. Like it was so hardcore. Well, you, all right, Same
1: so day. so so wait, so I'm gonna pause you for a question. So yeah. th- this is why it was rapid. It was rapid because yeah, this, this is rapid. this is what we had to pull out. So when you say 24 hours, I mean, like every country, every location, every state had their own rules of when what was going to be open, what was going to be closed, and the timing wise. I like, go, well, my brother is in Dubai Not here, um, and he had a, <laughs> a card. He had a card where if he wanted to go food shopping in Dubai, you if you if you're caught outside without yeah. this card, it wasn't a fine, yeah. it was jail. Yeah. It was jail. Yeah. So when you say 24 hours, so you got this memo. A memo went out yeah, to everybody. Government email, announcement. announcement. Government
0: announcement okay from the prime minister. Shut it down. It's all shutting down. You're on. Everybody's on the home. Everybody's home. Like we're in a red zone. And funny part is, at the time we had like less than 100 cases in the entire country. So yeah. I was watching the news. was Thousands a day, and I'm like, why? And everybody's living their life, and I'm like, we're literally in prison, and we have 100 cases a day. Yeah. What, what, what what's the know, population? What's the population in Malaysia? Thirty million. Thirty, 30 million. million, and you have one hundred. No, so, hundred is nothing. And we went in this lockdown. My hu- oh wait, so let me tell you. In the same day after all the kids, the dog, the business, and all, my husband lost his job. Oh. Like, and affected immediately. My sister sister started calling me asking me for food because they didn't have any savings, some of them, yeah. you know, I mean, some do because they worked us long enough, but you know, so we became like welfare, but I literally, it was like with my hands tied have my back because I couldn't drive anywhere. I couldn't this. So, um, e-commerce went crazy, but our, we barely had a website at the time and much less mm-hmm. we're not set up for Wait, that. What because if you didn't we didn't have
1: a web website at the time. Is we, it we had any- a
0: website, but we weren't doing like digital marketing at the time. It was in mm-hmm. my like later plans of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just gotten an, my first investor. And I had worked for six months on pitches and business plans for five years. And none of those plans were valid anymore because they were related to things that weren't possible. Yep. Um, yeah. So then in um, long story and all of this, my father passed away of COVID. So mm-hmm. on the other side of the world. So I was stuck literally like here. I couldn't even get out of the country at first and I hadn't seen him in a year anyway. And I literally had to like leave my family here, fly to Texas, by myself, which Wait, I had never. Wait, how were you?
1: What were you able to? You, I mean, you were. You said you were in a special. House, permission which I'm so sorry about your
0: dad, but I mean, I got special permission from the government got, to leave because of death. Okay. Yeah. So I flew into an ice storm in Texas. First one they had like my whole life, basically. Uh, I mean, it, it was like on, 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 on. Um, and in Malaysia, this whole thing has like we just now, three weeks ago, just now have like reopened our boutiques and all. Okay. So the loss, the loss that I've been through personally and in my business for the past 18 months is like unspeakable um, in so many ways, you know, loss of revenue, loss of my husband's job, loss of my father, loss of my kid's education and kind of childhood. And it's not, it's not been, everybody has loss of, we all have had loss. But here, because of the way the government, we were slow to get vaccines as well. Now, our, now Malaysia is doing amazing. We're like in the top 20 countries. We're like 90% vaccinated because mm-hmm. it's so government mandated, which I really appreciate. It's a very yeah. non-American thing, but I super appreciate it right now. Yeah. But we were just slower as a developing nation. We were just slower to get it. This is also where you see disparity, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not first world, so we don't have the money to and get it in. So while everyone was getting it in America, we're still in living lockdown because Cases were going up to a couple thousand and stuff a day, still relatively speaking, nothing major, right? But yeah. they were so conservative about it, and we were just slower to receive vaccinations. So it took, and it took them a while to get a plan. But once they got the plan, actually the execution has been phenomenal. And yeah. now we're like, now I'm super glad to be here. But it's been longer. So while you guys have had lots of, oh, you know, y'all had like the hundred days or whatever, you had to wear a mask. Like, well, we've been wearing like you're forced to wear mask. It's not a question. Like it's, yeah. you don't question it. You do it and. You know, and we've all been living in lockdown for eight, for almost 18 months. And so that's affected so much, affecting my children, mental health, it's affected, just so many things, right? Then loss added to it and all. Then my business loss, I have overhead. I have three outlets and I have five rentals I pay and artisans who come from poor, you know, backgrounds. So how do you pivot during this? Um, well, how like, do, you,
1: do you, well, that, that, that's the question here. So how are you, I mean, again, so much to unpack, um, uh, how are you doing? Because you I mean, as we're starting, your energy is high. You are like I, mean, I can feel it off the like we are the same of the same clockwork. Yes. High energy, despite what happens, we will sit there and be that that that, that yes. essence of um happiness for our family, our friends, etc. Um, when my, my dad died of cancer six years ago, and my mother said like, oh, your only job during the eulogy is to make people smile, to walk away and make people smile, because that's what you bring to our family you, I can hear it from you, from everything that you said. And like, literally, I can hear it from you, but how are you dealing with all of this? Because you just unloaded so much information. Yeah. Like literally I go, we were talking and I go, and I didn't even see this one coming where the, in the last three minutes, you just unloaded so much information that I'm like, how are you
0: breathing right now? Uh, yeah, I think that's by God's grace, actually. Like genuinely speaking, not the fake, you know, Southern answer I'm supposed to tell you. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think all of this for me personally has taught me um, I'm a high capacity, high performer, like things a certain way, you know, person. Mm-hmm. Generally can do a lot on my own. And yeah. this has like just pulled the rug out from under all of that for a long time, not just like a little bit, you know, like like literally, like pulled it out. And I'm like flat on my back half the time. Mm-hmm. So I think uh community helps. Um giving myself permission to be where I am um helps. Uh, yeah. Grief is funny because not funny, funny. It's like funny, weird, because, yeah. um, the one thing that triggered for me. So, so I knew the basic things I had gone through a depression, like in college and, and I kind of learned the bait, go back to the basics. You need to eat, sleep, exercise, you know, these bait water. I mean, this, it sounds silly, but like, it's really like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And so I knew to kind of do, to, to minimize as much as I could do only things that I I really have to do and let the rest go. So I, I I was pretty okay at that. And then, and take care of myself and my family, like the immediate things around me as much as possible. But this, what happened was funny enough, whenever things have started opening up, uh, something triggered in me and I like spiraled and it was really strange because you would think After all this time, the opening up of life and business and everything is actually what I want. It's true, but it did something in me because I think at some level with grief, I got used to kind of living in this black hole of like, I couldn't find the light and I was just there because this is this lockdown and everything has lasted so long here that it almost got comfortable, right? Because it's like, no one knew when it was going to end, but I was kind of okay, not moving forward a bit. So when things have started opening, that's where grief has actually surprised me and shocked me a bit because, uh, it's affected me. Like, like it's shocked me, how it's been negative on me, like to, um, to go to this. So that's, it's like a new thing I'm processing still. Like I'm, I'm still processing with like, okay, well life has to, life is moving forward. Now it is going on. So I'm not quite the same as Mm -hmm. I was then. So how does this new version of me, I'm still kind of learning her really. Um, so, and how does this new version of Amy, like live in this new life that we're doing? So it's a very like um, raw and vulnerable kind of process that I'm in right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure that part out, I think.
1: Um, I went on, um, I went to one of my interns weddings um, in, in California, um, same with like in New England, we've been very, very, I mean, Massachusetts is super strict, super strict. Um, I live, like I, as I mentioned, I live in a quintessential small town on the coast. So it's like, if you're inside the town, everyone knows we were in our bubbles. If you yeah. walked out you told people you stayed in your house, you didn't go anywhere. We were very, very honest and very, very true to, true to everyone. Boston and surrounding towns were like, the numbers were really high in regards to COVID. But then, I mean, we are at 80% fully vaccinated. I think no, we're 80, 85% fully vaccinated in Massachusetts. And um, as of Monday, um, um, and I, I always say, don't use time references, but I'm going to use it as of Monday. It is from all the major hospitals and for police officers. If you're not vaccinated, you're out of a job. So it is like full on now with like a medical, um, um, uh, legal, whatever. And um, I, after 18 months, I went to my, uh, to California, to my intern's wedding. And I was there for 12 days. I gave myself 12 days because I hadn't gone anywhere for 18 months. Um, I I mean, I went to Florida to go visit my mother to make sure she was okay. But I hadn't taken care of me for 18 months. And like you, high energy, you know, we function, we're just going, we're smiling. The first three days being in Santa Monica, I exercised, I ate, I sit there, I slept, I cried and I couldn't mm. stop crying for three days. And I called my cousin, like, what's going on? He's like, this is what's happening right now. You're friendly. Like, yeah. want, like you're like, exactly. All this stuff is starting to come down as in what happened. And for me, I'm like, like I'm not a crier. I find crying exhausting. I'm yeah. too busy to cry. Yeah. Not what I do, <laughs> and yeah. so so when it started happening, I was like, "Make it stop!" Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What is this crap? It's like I go, "What is this? This is too much." And so for you, you're you're coming out of this. You're trying to figure out how to yeah. deal with the grief, of like your dad, your business, your family, your husband, all this stuff. Yeah, but you're the rock star of the family. Not, I mean, not saying that your husband's not, but you are that yeah. you yeah, you yeah. keep everything alight and you keep everything and going you have three kids um you have a, 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 you have a team of people that are depending on you and you have a husband that not only do I love you but we have we are a team together for this family how would you I mean what what advice would you I mean as you're going through this right now what advice would you give to anyone that owns a business in another country or in we'll in your town I mean you have so much I mean like this is definitely not gonna be the, the last question this the last interview that we have together because <laughs> You have so much to, you have to offer. Out? Um, you have so much to offer to so many people that are listening to you, but how in the process as when you're in it, how are you trying to figure out how to keep this business afloat, keep my family afloat, well, making sure that they're there checking on your mom. I mean, your mom's here in the States yeah. by herself. Yeah. How are you doing all this and making sure that your husband's like, Hey, we're still a team. Like, how are you even figuring out how to How do I, where do I start? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, Where do you start of trying to get get into the light? And now a message from our sponsor. Since 2017, the Foundation for Business Equity has existed to support Black and Latinx-led companies in reaching their full potential by providing access to critical growth tools that include expanded networks, capital, and markets. To learn more about the Foundation for Business Equity, FBE, visit fbequity.org. And now back to our guest.
0: I think the first thing is you go down to the basics of like what's really essential because we all do, I mean, this is an American issue as well, I think more than even here, but busy and all, you know, Americans are so, I come back there to visit and I'm exhausted, like just listening to what my friends and sister-in-laws and everybody just do and their kids. I'm just like, whoa, my God. They're like, um, So I think it's about really what's what are the essentials like defining what what do we have to get done in a day like really i mean really so there's been a couple of days i didn't get out of bed and that was just somebody else had to do it or the kids just watched some tv that day and ate grilled cheese sandwiches and they thought it was their best life ever so somehow i got like mom of the year for that but you know and other like it's just the whole what's the expectation of yourself and like really just like letting that stuff go i mean it's a major character if you're someone like me i mean who has high expectations for myself more than I have for others, even like um, that's been a process, a good one. Actually, that's the good thing out of this. I think it's just realizing, Hey, you know what? It doesn't have to be like that. So, so what can it be? So my kids have, you know, they've watched more TV, had more screen time. Um, my dog's not as trained as I thought he should be. I'm pretty sure they can all kind of read and like, write. And we're working on character stuff sort of, I say some cuss words more than I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> then I say sorry a lot like I don't I drink wine I drink a lot of coffee um I pray uh I sing worship songs <laughs> I talk to friends like I don't know sometimes I don't talk to anybody I was like okay my poor husband I don't know what's up he's just like I just I think after like 15 years together we just kind of like <laughs> we just kind of accept each other like I don't know
1: I don't know. Well, one of my favorite questions I always ask is like, did you marry
0: well? Did I marry well? Uh (laughs) (laughs) You might need a two point over this one. (laughs) There's a lot to that. Of course I married well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because, because during, I mean, and I, I, I'm not married and I have to say that I'm so jealous of everyone that got to spend time with a spouse because I feel like it should be required where when you get married, you have to go to a a far 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 land with a computer, nice. and you can work, but you're not allowed to be with anybody else with that spouse. Because if you can make it, then you're fine.
0: Because actually, the divorce rates up in states. Us, those of us with all the children and all the animals and all the spouses, <laughs> all we wanted was your life for a little while. We're like, oh my god, could I go somewhere where there's nobody? Do you know what I would get done? Like, and I would like think I would actually like have space in my head if there just wasn't. I'm, it's good that we're doing this at night my time because like my kids are actually in bed right now i think but at any moment that could change you know it's like so you can't even like go to the toilet anymore it's just like okay come on in you know um, um
1: amy what would you say to someone that is looking i mean so a lot I mean, I'm, I'm sure you you saw and you heard but also you're working with individuals that are looking for something more looking for something new so Things that are happening that we're seeing around the world and especially what just happened. So this past April, 4.4 million people left their good paying jobs, 4.4 million people left their good paying jobs. And then there were the individuals that um, they, what people are blaming unemployment, unemployment. This is why we can't find people at restaurants. This is why we can't find people at Dunkin' Donuts. But guess what? Unemployment ended and those jobs still didn't get filled because for the first time ever, and I mean, this is my belief. The first time ever, individuals that had no opportunity whatsoever were getting paid to take online classes. That classes were never online mm-hmm. classes. So now they mm-hmm. had the first time ever they had the opportunity to take care of themselves. From um, what mm-hmm. would you say to someone that's like looking for some self-growth throughout your entire life? You've been challenging yourself. and go and you've been seeing the world, and you took yourself out of a an environment that you could. I mean, you could have been comfortable right where you were forever in a day. Yeah. What would you say to individuals that are looking to make changes personally and also professionally?
0: I think take the risk. I think somebody and I were talking the other day, the difference, I think one difference with me and you learn this being an entrepreneur, they're calculated risks, don't worry. But like, you know, you need the data and the numbers, but like, if you really are, if something's like really on your heart or like you really like want to do that thing, if you if you're a mom staying at home and you really wanted to. Get a master's degree or something, actually you can do that now online. You know, if you are somebody in a career, but you wanted to learn a new hobby or something, you know I mean? Like you can do this stuff. So I think the difference is, um, is taking the risk because it will always pay off. I mean, I, I take my risks just get bigger and more, but you start with the small ones, right? So I'm able to take a bigger one now. I didn't jump into my business taking on investors and expanding global e-commerce to 40 countries like day one. I didn't even know what I was doing day one. You know, I didn't know what a zipper was, like, like what brand of zippers to buy. So, I mean, you know, much less having calls with digital marketing agencies about, you know, this backend stuff. Like, so you just learn it, you just do it. And, but you, you build this muscle. It's kind of like working out, right? Like when you build this muscle of risk-taking Um, And I mean, good risk, not just like, let's jump off of things or something. I did that stuff when I was younger, but um, you know, like what risk, like what's really on your heart out there? Like you get one life. This is my thing. We all get one life here, right. And this earth. So what are you going to do with it? Like, you know um, I don't want to live with regrets. That's my big thing is I don't want regrets. I've never, I don't have regrets, but like, I'm like, not, I don't want to sit in older in life when I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have, I should have this, like those kind of comments to me are like, why not? Like, and also I'm kind of like, someone's doing it. If not you, someone's going to. So if someone's going to do it, why not you? Like, really? Why not you? I mean, again, I run a business based on something I haven't, I had no skill set for. Okay. Like no background for, I'm a designer, textile, you know, e-commerce like none of that, none of that and no context for. So I think my story is so out there. And so like, listen, listen, if I can do this in a foreign country where I'm like the jolly green giant and like, you know, got all these kids and things and stuff and you know, whatever, then like, don't tell me you can't do that. You know, like really don't tell me you can't do that. Um, so I think it's just about I know a bit of self belief and take a risk, right? And realizing because you've got one life, so make it count.
1: You are a woman in a foreign country wearing a green dressing that you're a jolly green giant. i <laughs> wear my green dress for you to be the jolly green giant. Um, I go, all right, so you're a woman in a foreign country, um, building a business that you are a you know, you're learning about the textiles, but you also have to learn about the business aspects. I'm a marketing strategist. I love everything marketing. I mean, I can't turn it off. My family and friends are like, stop it. I go, I can't. Marketing is oh, everywhere oh I God. go. But when I, so I look, I started my company 12 years ago during the recession. I'm in, in my MBA class. I'm told I'm overqualified. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I did everything right. I worked in the media. I worked for the governor. This is what I do. And now I have to like, do it for myself. MBA teaches you how to excel a company, not how to start a company. Yeah. You're learning about the textiles and you're like, I go, okay, this is what I do in regards to if I'm working with like Anna, I go, but now you have to learn how to do the business part of it. I can't stand the business part of what I do. I love what I do. So how did you learn that? Because that is like by far one of the biggest barriers where I'm a, I do, like a, there's a, a product, there's a skill, but now I have to learn the finance, the operations, the hiring. You have three brick and mortars and two that you had, and then you added one during the pandemic. So yeah, how did you, like, I mean, I, which I love that. <laughs> I, I think that is like, badass like. in every single way because this is when I get so excited when people are building, when they realize this opportunity. So you saw the opportunity, but you're still having to learn the business aspect of this. And yeah. you're not just selling, you're selling in 40 countries, did you say? Or 44?
0: Yeah, in our e-commerce, we ship to 40 countries so far. 40, yeah. 40 countries.
1: So you, how are you learning all this stuff? Like how how are you learning it? Who's helping you? Um, what advice would you give in regards of like to go, getting to the point where you like it a lot more versus I detest the business aspect of it because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest barriers. People are great at what they do, skill sets, product development, but they despise the business, the other end of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then they walk away or they fail at it because they're not asking for help. And they're like, I go, this is where like, I'm done, I'm hands up. What, where were you in regards of learning? And how did you get, get past the barriers of like, I don't know how to do this. This is over in my head.
0: Yeah. So I had a, um, I mean, everything was just grassroots, learn as you go, fly by the seat of your pants, fake it till you make it kind of American thing we do. So I did a lot of that. But eventually, eventually that also like, you know, that catches up with you soon, right? So Oh, I actually don't know this um my husband has an mba so he was working another job and at the time i would just like ask him questions at night like what about this what about this what about this you know Mm -hmm. give me like give me like later like layman terms like just break down all those complicated things and just like profit loss what i need to do (laughs) you know like numbers like help. so he helped me structure things a lot um he's always been very supportive on that end for me um he now works in our company um but other times he has off and on different times over the years, but right now he is. And so he's heading up business development and leads the finance team, which thank God I don't, I just like sign off that they can pay the bills and I like hope the money's there kind of thing. Like, thank you. But still, you ha- I, I actually do more than that, but um, I try not to. Um, but you, I think you have to know certain levels of everything. If you're going to run a business, you need to understand it conceptually. You can't be ignorant and naive about things if it's yours because you're responsible end of the day as CEO or founder or whatever. But you need to get people around you. So I, there was a government program that came out here as well that was really helpful, I don't know, six or seven years ago. We got a, a small grant from the Malaysian government and it was this concept of social enterprise. And that was really my first exposure to terminology around what I was already doing. And so this program we did with them really helped me like get, the, oh, I'm doing this. That's called this. Oh, okay. You know, like um get my terminology and things around it. And then I've had coaches. Um, I've, I'm a big fan of coaching and mentoring. Like I have a mentor in Turkey to this day, who's an American running a tourism business there that husband and wife work together. So they mentor me in different things. Um, I've got coaches now as investors um, a, a group of coaching teams that are Malaysians that give me a different local kind of perspective on things I've always reached out I've, I keep relationships as much as possible with living so far but I just always agree I believe in like the pay it forward thing as well so I try to also you know help when I can and 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 ask when I need help and so I think being a learner that's my point you've got to be a learner you've got to constantly be learning like constantly like you never finished right so um, and I hire people who are learners I don't need the highest skilled person I need someone with a good attitude who wants to learn I much rather have that than the best skilled person with bad attitude and thinks they know it all Um, so that's just kind of my culture I built in my company was we're always learning we tell every week what did you learn last week you have to it could be like I made a new recipe it doesn't have to be about work per se but we always share, what did you learn? Like, that's just a huge part of the culture. I think you have to create if you want mm. to keep moving forward. So I think that's the biggest part, surround yourself with people better than you, ask for help, be a learner, constantly be learning. Um, mm. And that's, but to me, that's fun. So you, you have to enjoy, I'd like to learn. So um, I don't, you know, there's certain topics I wish I didn't need to know about, but most, most of them, I enjoy learning something new um, as well. So I think that's a big part of it.
1: You are in Malaysia, you are a woman, you are American. Um, you are the, the, the epitome of America in most people's eyes are Texas. I mean, people see me like, I go, I go to countries. They're like, I go, what kind of gun do you own? I go, I don't own a gun. <laughs> and they're like, I go, but everyone, the Western, I go, it's not all like that. So like Texas, New York, California, it's like, whenever yeah. I go overseas, they, they only know those three yeah. locations, which is really, yeah. really funny. Um, I'm first generation born in America. Um, my culture is very, very important. So whenever you hear the word Haiti, everyone's like, they meet me. They're like, "Oh, you're from Haiti." I'm like, "Yeah." So not all Haiti is like, "Oh, it's so huge." Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like, "Well, it's like how big is?" That? I go, "It's the size of like New England, like from like you know from Maine to Florida." They're like, "No." I'm like, "I go, it's actually bigger than that." But I'm just gonna give you some context. <laughs> I'm gonna make um, you feel better. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Like, it's like I'm just trying to educate you. They're like, "Oh my God, the earthquake!" I go, "Did it affect your family?" I'm like, "It's bigger than that." So just yes, I'm trying to educate you as you go. Um, you are an expat. Um, in all essence of the word, you're an expat. Um, and yet you have a lot of Malaysians that are working for your company. How are you keeping the culture alive? Because um, the Malaysian uh, government has given you money to grow the business here in Malaysia. Obviously they're bringing attention to the country. How are you keeping the culture alive? I mean, you're, you've are you been there for 15 years you said?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. You've been
1: there for 15 years three of your children, not three of, but three, your three all children. All of them. <laughs> all, all, all of your children born, raised in Malaysia, obviously bilingual. Um, Or is it, is it more than one language or is it English? Uh, they're learning
0: Mandarin also. They speak yeah. a bit of Mandarin.
1: So I, so that they're, they're trilingual children. Um, Yay. Trilingual children. Yay. I'm trilingual as well. Yay. And so um, how are the, how's the community overall seeing you? Where like, are they excited that you're here you're creating jobs you're creating visib- uh, uh, visibility to their country or are they wait someone else is taking jobs away where it should have been a Malaysian that created something like so what is what are the thoughts of the individuals that are around you right now
0: well it took a long time to build trust because in this part of the world trust is something you earn it's not given so where I'm from you give people trust like I'm trusting you to have this conversation and like, I'm telling you like vulnerable raw things about me and, mm-hmm. unless you give me some reason later not to, you know? <laughs> so we tend to extend our trust openly, freely and less than, then it can back up. Like if someone takes advantage of that, right? We back it up. That's kind of how we operate. It's completely opposite of that here. and I ha- And that's been, that's really hard for me as an American because I'm also an open person. So mm-hmm. when I came here, it's every emotion and every feeling is closed and your cards are really tight to your chest. And only when you've been friends or know someone for a long time and have proven to them does it start slowly opening themselves, but definitely trust. Mm -hmm. So when I wanted to then be a foreigner working here in a craft industry that's already like um, a minority and, you know, villages and different, you know, even like small town, like cultures and all trying to convince the people there in my broken language here, um, that I was there to actually help them. Like they just had also been taken advantage of, especially by foreigners in, in different industries, like oil and gas. I mean, they've come in and taken their, their treasures, if you will. So their culture, their, their resources and all and exploited them and like made money off of them. So that's all they know. And they've seen Hollywood that that's literally the only context. So you've either got exploitation or like Hollywood. And I'm Mm -hmm. kind of like neither of those. So, um, it took them a long time to really believe me. And it took a lot of consistency on my part of proof to like, keep giving work, keep hiring people, keep not asking for something back, keep being honest, yeah. keep not taking advantage of, keep paying fairly, like years before they actually like, trust me. So now I'm 10 years into my business and yeah, I work with 200 artisans across Malaysia, who most of whom I'm known, obviously the Jolly Green Giant Lady is coming, here she is, <laughs> you know. but But I'm more respected because I've proven. So it was essential for me while I wanted I set up this company to do good and to help communities. Right. Like, but it's almost like even if I hadn't have done it, that like that was my intention first and then to put a business model around it. But had I come in the opposite and had a business idea and I think I still would have needed to also be doing good because I am this foreigner who is working with a very national like heritage craft, that's part of their culture. it's not just like I found a cool product and shipped it out, you know? Um, So the only, so generally speaking, a lot of Malaysians tell me, thank you. It's really sweet. Like the ones who get it, like customers and people will just say like, oh, thanks Amy for doing this. Like, it's so great. The one comment I get consistently though, for years, this is a funny one. There's this, they'll say rugila, which in Malay means it's a waste. Like why, and to my face, this is that thing. I'm like, don't say that, don't say that. But now I'm used to it. So i I'm like, okay, I know what you're gonna say. Um, they literally say, th- this is the one comment that's that a funny one. They're like, oh, it's such a waste that it, took, that it took a foreigner to like, to like revive our craft. Like for them, not to just export it and get international exposure, but literally for them to appreciate their own thing. And they're like, uh, it's like too bad it took, a, like they, you know, it's too bad it took a foreigner to do that and not our own people. It should be us. And I used to that, like, kind of offended me, like, well, okay, here I am. So you just said that in my face. Thanks, you know, but I realized what they mean. And it is like, like, it should have been, but it wasn't, you know, and so actually, like, but and I always say back, I say, but you know, you could come to Texas, honestly, it's just having an outside perspective. I said, you could come to Texas and see something totally different than I do, because it's normal to me or whatever. And you might appreciate it and see an opportunity that I wouldn't see because I'm just been in it my whole life, you know, or whatever. So yeah, but that is the one. It's like, oh, it's such a waste that it took a for- that it took a foreigner, and I'm like, such a waste, right? Like, it's such a waste.
1: Well, you know what? The, it, 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 it's it's so interesting that you say that because in Haiti, I mean, like, I I mean, like, I haven't been to Haiti. Like right now, they're having tons of kidnappings. I yes. mean, I'm I, I can't go to Haiti right now. Um, well, pandemic and kidnapping. It's just either way, I can't go right now. But it is not, not a, really a good thing. Yeah, that's like it's not a good thing. But it is one of those sad moments for me because um, there are so many amazing Haitians that have that are doing things all over the world and we want to give back to the country, but the Haitians that are there feel that you left us. Even if, I mean, I was like conceived in Haiti. I was born in America. I would love to do tons of things and go, me walking around, proud as can be, saying that I'm Haitian first. um, Literally, I always tell people like where, don't be upset that we, that it wasn't you, but find ways that we can, or we can collaborate together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I go, and don't be mad, that there's an individual on the outside, because like we are still promoting the country in all the different ways. So I think that's one of the things where that too bad mentality, I get it. But at the same time, you could say, you know what, let me learn from Amy and what she's doing. And maybe I could sit there and like create something that I can, like maybe we're making the zippers and now we're working together with Amy. And So there's definitely ways where they can collaborate once they get out of that mindset.
0: And I've seen mindset change because you have to understand this is a decade for me now into this, Mm -hmm. right? And I've seen it is a developing nation. That's also something people don't understand. So we're like amazing buildings and Starbucks around the corner and shopping malls. I'll blow your mind away. And like, you know, the potholes and the systems and paying your bills is like a nightmare. So it's still developing here. And I think you have to accept that. Like if you don't accept that first, you're going to hate it here because nothing works like half the time. So you just, it's just developing. So, but I've seen a a huge amount of progress just in the country, but even in mindset of people it's, and I think internet has helped that obviously in the past 10 years. Right. And then, uh, and then new generation coming up and then even COVID back to that, it made Malaysians. We were literally all like in prison at our houses, like literally couldn't go out. So all you had was the internet. And so that's where e-commerce came in. So we progressed probably as a country, as a developing nation, 10 years in like a year because of how, because of the demand now. And the only way to buy your groceries for the first time ever was actually online. And we never, we didn't have online platforms, like one or two apps even set up. So everybody made an app and everybody, you know, and so innovation has come and uh, development and things have come really fast now. And definitely, I mean, even from COVID, but even there was progress happening then. So I think now the mindset of people is much different. Like they, also generally more appreciate what we're doing and and actually right now 70 percent of my online orders coming from within come from malaysia so they're from malaysians now which is cool that is
1: that is another huge thing because most people that are in the country that are creating don't buy in the country they buy outside and so the pride in the product is it it, that's huge
0: well because we pivoted this was my pivot in covid we were making ppe gear for hospitals when we couldn't do other stuff we got a corporate sponsor that was my big pivot to yep. keep people employed, not for profit per se, but to just keep people going mm-hmm. um, was and to contribute to what was going on in, in the nation. And so that got a lot of good press for us. I didn't do it for that reason, but it happened to get a lot of good press for us. Yep. Then when, when face masks started being required and reusable ones and all, we did a ton of research. We had some of our masks uh, certified in the UK for filtration yep. and everything, certain designs and all, following the Ministry of Health guidelines in Malaysia. And that's what triggered Malaysians to start buying it because before they saw us, this is like, expat thing or foreigner or tourist kind of thing and now it's like oh we all were buying things and our e-commerce got set up and we were doing the face mask so now we keep designing we look at data now to make our decisions right so we look at who is hitting the website men women what age from where you know what do they want to buy so we start designing products and things and and what's cool to me in this one year like since last April so maybe year and a half that's really our only e-commerce growth really you know we have that long of mass and um we've hit really solid we're growing and we're we're um like focus on singapore as well now and eventually we'll get to the us i mean we get orders but like we're not running ads and stuff there yet but now in singapore and it's a lot of malaysians now buying because maybe they first got the mask from us but then they also added that skirt or that painting kit or the bag you know and then gave it to their friend or then word of mouth and reviews and sent this here and there so that's been really fun part to watch and, and hard work also you'll you understand that um, but Yeah, so it is cool to see, for me, to see Malaysians who laughed at me at first, you know, my neighbors laughed at me when I made homewares out of this fabric because they were like, we just wear this at home, Amy, it's like a a nightgown thing, why are you putting it on a placemat, you know, and now they're like, my homewares are one of our top selling products globally, you know, and they're buying it now, and it's just funny because I'm like, really, because you made fun of me 10 years ago, Um, but it's it's really cool to see the progression, I think, as a country, you know, develops as well.
1: I, I think that um, um, I, I'm very sad because like I am this we have to wrap up but I mean it, I mean again every single part of this conversation you're like you gave me so much that I'm like oh Amy you're my new best friend in Malaysia I'm so excited I'm your Malaysia <laughs> best friend sure I go I love it well it was like I go I have, I have my best friend uh, Melissa in Australia everyone's like I go your best friend I go how many best friends do you have I go every country different best friend I go Melissa and I like back in the day 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 where I was like you. I just gallivanted. I just like, I go, I watch facts of life and I'm like, I go, Oh, they're in Australia. I want to go to Australia I and go watch there. A symphony in, in the, in the, in the opera house. And my mom's like, okay. And I did, I went and I lived in Australia for a year and I go, I would, and Melissa and I were dating twins, fraternal twins. And we got rid of the oh, twins wow. and we've stayed best friends for like, for, <laughs> I know for eons. So random ways that you have best friends, but Melissa and I, every two, every other month we used to hop on zoom and we're like, just catch up. Cause it's like we never didn't see each other, so it works out really well. So, Amy, there you go. Just want to know. How about your relationship best friend. You, I, I, I know. Like a, whether sometimes recorded, sometimes not recorded. So it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I know. As we over, overlap on each other. All right. So, um, I, I this, this 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 has to come to an end, which is very very sad for me. But this is again not the last time we're going to talk. Um, but two more questions. Um, there's one that we I end all, but there's like a, one more major question is that. Um, where do you see the industry and the, the industry going? Because you are in retail. Uh, we're going. We're coming into the holiday season. Um, and then we're going to like, you know, like have been year two of the pandemic. Uh, where do you see the industry going overall in regards to e-commerce? Because you said that this country that you're in, it wasn't even a thought. And within one year, like you had been working on this for a decade, but within one year, it was like, Holy crap! This is a game changer. So, where yeah. do you see the industry going for uh, for um, developing countries? So, got, I'm gonna you're gonna be the voice of okay. that. The, you're gonna be the voice for so many developing countries that I speak to. But where do you see it going? Where we're gonna go back to eventually. We're not gonna go back to the way it was, but we're gonna go back to a even tilt where mm. things aren't gonna be in crates in California or on boats that are stuck or in China. So where is it wh- where do you believe the industry is going for developing countries that are coming up with a lot of that retail
0: Well I think the bigger question is asking where are consumers going because we sort of have to respond to that first right so I think where consumers are going is uh, people care more about uh, impact and they care they're asking questions now we care about environmental issues that we didn't care about 10 years ago we know more about it right as well too. Um, we care about sustainability, we care about fairness and we care about purpose, we care about uniqueness. So uh, I think all of these brands like mine who are often made in these developing nations, if done well and done properly, I mean, there's plenty of things not fair, the big factories and, you know, there's go find every like documentary one about that, you know, the cost of fashion is a big one. Like, um, so, uh, but I think if you do it well, and as best you can, in a term of like uh, really wanting to help people and also grow a business at the same time, we have a real opportunity in a developing nation in this part of the world because we have people do things with their hands. They cook, they sew, they, you know, they build, they make things and stuff. Like in this, it's ha- using your hands is a big part of what happens here. They're creative. And so if we can if we can really have a business model that connects with where a consumer is of wanting a story of impact and a story of who made this and, you know, and, and like, if you're wearing a story and you're wearing your impact and you're wearing art and uniqueness, like, that if you can connect as a brand to that and really have a business model around that, you have a ton of opportunity because eventually people don't want to buy here. H&M is like huge. Right. And like the Zara's H&M is like they're more the British brands, but um, huge fast fashion. Right. And so I think more and more people, especially millennials and younger who are finally now starting to earn some money. Hello. Like they all finally got jobs here. so <laughs> Maybe, maybe so. But they want to spend it differently, and my kids will definitely want to spend it. They they don't even use straws. My kids are like anti things because they get it more. My son's vegetarian now because he thinks beef is like you know so bad on the earth. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, well, okay. Like, can you imagine me telling my mom and dad I was vegetarian in Texas? Like at ten, I'm like, what the? (laughs) They didn't know what that is. You know, know, when I
1: lived in Texas, that was the only time in my lifetime that I was vegetarian. Oh god, you, you well, back you, you know what? Like, because back in the day they <laughs> were feeding you know, back in the day they were feeding their cows, a lot of farms were feeding cows cement so that way they could weigh more. So then eh. I'm like, I go, eh. But the
0: second I came back Your home, brother. I'm like, oh bring on the steak, baby. Bring yeah. on my yeah. steak. And that grass-fed beef for it for it. But anyway, so I think actually as a voice for a developing nation artisans and producers and manufacturers, if you do it right and do it well, actually there's a whole market beyond where you're from, even. And eventually it will come to where you are. So Malaysians are starting, some of them are starting to ask that some of them are still throwing rubbish out the window, like in the 80s, like, you know, like McDonald's paper just goes out the window on the highway, you know, but so that's different, you know, but again, some people are starting to ask that question and wanting to be more sustainable and have a story of impact and support good causes with their money and want to know where they're spending their money more now, um, even on consumable goods I mean, people are going to buy clothes forever, they're, they're going to buy stuff this is the, I'm not anti-consumerism because actually I need you all to buy things. Like, that's like a thing. You've got to buy stuff that employs people, but it's just, you're going to buy it anyway. So what are you going to buy and where are you going to spend it? And what is it? You know, gifting, like gift giving is a, this time yeah. of the year, right? You're going to give a gift to how many people? So why not give them a story that's actually impactful and that actually did some good and it's pretty and nice. I mean, it should be pretty and nice and good quality. If it's not, that's another, I mean, we will never compromise on our quality. Like ask anybody on my team, our QC is like off the charts because Mm -hmm. I think we have to even do better because we're doing it for a good cause. So there's a stigma around a handicraft. I'm like, we're not selling a handicraft. We're selling sustainable fashion that was artisan made and hand painted. You're, You're wearing art when you you know, you're wearing one of a kind of pieces when you, when you buy your product. So it should be, you should feel good in it. Um, yeah. So I think keep developing, keep practicing excellence. And mm-hmm. there is a huge market out there. You just got to connect with it. And we're still constantly, I mean, my biggest issue, you'll know this from marketing side is still how do, we're living this incredible story of impact. And it's like amazing, but we're still really lacking in communicating it. Like we're doing it. It's still how to get it out there you know, well, to help you spend on the website, but you, like, that. like You're doing it right now. I mean, like you yeah. taking that time. That's I on mean, your
1: podcast. It's my well, you could, yeah, you could be, I mean, you could be asleep right now. You could like, I go, my kids are asleep. I go, I could just have been like, go to bed early today and go, I have a lot of yeah. like But just you communicating and taking the time because, I mean, and this is one of the reasons why I started the podcast was I mean because I mean I I mean I lost all my business at the beginning because no I mean I was traveling. I mean like I my role is to travel and go to other, other locations and help with marketing and do speeches and do workshops. But I go, I got to sit there and share your stories. I go mm-hmm. and learn who you are, who are the people in the neighborhood and not just for a five second, five, 10 minute piece, I got to speak to you for a, a longer yeah. period of time to learn who you are. And that's what people need to know who all of you, all of Amy is. Um, so so I I appreciate you just giving me the time, which I really, really love. Okay, so here's our final question. No matter how many times I talk to you, this is the final question that I will always ask you. Um, if you had a personal ask and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to you right now, what would be your professional ask and what would be your personal ask? So
0: two questions. Please. This personal one's hard for me um, right now in particular, I think. Um Professionally would be to buy our products like we actually ship globally and we offer it get this we actually give you free shipping and it's like DHL Express or you know FedEx or like it's real shipping um, like it's going to get to you in a week or less for free if you buy $100 or more and it costs me about 25 bucks to ship that order and we eat it for you because we want you to buy our products. So get on my website and buy things. Um, there's discount codes if you're clever how to get that. But um, yeah, we ship internationally. And I think just just like, that's my professional ask. Just for holiday season, for things coming up, for the next gifts, for your next piece of apparel, like try something from our brand um, and let us, you know, see, ship it to you and see what you think. Give us reviews and all that. Follow us on social media. Those kind of things really help tell the story. Personally, I don't know. This is like hard for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, can I just ask anybody to take a risk today? Like, just take a risk. Like, whatever that thing is. Like, just look at me. I can do it. So can you. It's not like it's complicated, and you don't. Everyone know the end before you start because you'll never do it if you know all the things you have to go through. But just take the first step. I think, like that, that would make me feel really good and make my dad feel really good. I think who I lost this year to say like take the risk and do something that counts.
1: I love both those answers. I go um. Um, I personally am going to go on the website and buy, because I always say that um, I don't want to just have you on to speak. I mean, this is, again, this is my give back to the world where I want to have as many um, entrepreneurs from all over the world talking. I mean, you are now our 23rd country, yay, that Woo-hoo. we've had on, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, and so hopefully oh. I'll have other people from Malaysia on on the podcast, but also just the fact that um, you are providing such knowledge without you even realizing that you're providing comfort to individuals there are a lot of people that own their own businesses there are a lot of people that have lost their businesses. are a lot of people that have lost loved ones during this pandemic um and they just think that like I, i'm going to end and then they're watching you and thinking holy crap like look at i go with everything that she has going on and she is still smiling she's still laughing she's still like go a badass you're a badass and i go i think that's one of the things where i enjoy learning about you and finding you. And when you guys say yes to me, I always say, I go, I am not Oprah. I go, but I go, I love just like laughing and smiling and learning and asking questions. Cause that's what I can do. Um, this is like, well, I was that kid where when I was younger, my parents were like, she's going to get kidnapped. Cause I would just wander and just talk to everybody. <laughs> I go, and no I, stranger. Do, I mean, <laughs> as an adult, I still do that where I'm like, I go, I just, you have so much. And I'm like, I go in something about you that like I go that I gravitate towards. And so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for staying up. Um, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for fueling a freaking community that you're like, I go, I, I came to visit here. I don't like the food. I am out. And you're like, okay, well 15 <laughs> okay, years later, out is not, I'm not really out. Um, but I thank you so much for as a first generation kid, thank you very much for doing what you do because whenever I meet anyone in any country and they say like, I go, I saw someone I go, and this is what I'm doing. That's why I'm doing uh, what I'm doing. It means a lot. It means a lot. I go, and you don't know how much you are doing for so many people that you just don't know. I mean, randomly, someone's gonna walk up to you and say like, thank you, Amy, for doing blah, blah, blah. And you're gonna be like, where the hell did you come from? And I, I mean, I hear it all the time randomly. I get emails, or like, i like, I heard you in a speech. I'm like, well, what did I say? And when they can sit and say verbatim to me 12 years after I, okay, I go, Holy crap, you held on to like something I the like crazy dumbass yes. me from 12 like what? So I am so thankful that you exist.
0: Oh, I'm thankful
1: thank for you. your parents, I'm thankful for your brother, I'm thankful for your experiences. Um thank you for being here. Thank you for like just working your ass off despite every single obstacle and everything that's happening in your life and and even those days that you don't want to get out of bed but when you do, thank you.
0: Well, thanks for having me. This was like a pleasure and I love the opportunity to share the story and don't get a lot of opportunities like in the state side of it. So, you know, it's my home turf over there. So I appreciate just the opportunity and you're really fun to talk to also. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a crazy lady. I'm a crazy lady. <laughs> um, but again- lady um, to another. I like it.
1: <laughs> uh, until next time, my friend. Um, and um, yeah, just keep on, keep on. And I can't wait to like literally get online and buy one of your one of your items. I don't know what I'm going to buy yet, but I'm like, I, go, I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you.
0: My name is Amy Blair. I'm the founder and CEO of Batik Boutique. And Batik Boutique is a social enterprise based in Malaysia, partnering with artisans all over the country and women from marginalized communities. We make hand-dyed textiles and make them into finished products and ship them all around the world. Originally, I'm from Texas in the United States and I've been living in Malaysia for 13 years. When I first encountered Batik, I don't think I knew the difference between the layering, what was machine produced, what was a certain material, you know, where it was from. I mean, I definitely didn't know. I thought it was very unique and I thought it was colorful um, and pretty, um, but I didn't understand the complexities with it. So, but I'll tell you, the first time I went to a village was in Chingano. The first time I asked a taxi driver at the time because there was no ways and no grab to take me to where this pretty piece of fabric was made. And he dropped me off at a rice potty and pointed out into the field and said, out there. And I literally walked across the rice potty with my husband and two children at the time and went knock, knock, knock on the door. And as soon as they opened the door, it was like this amazing other world opened up. And I saw these people, these men from villages, just like, you know, blocking away and sweating. And I saw these women just painting. And when I understood the complexity and the time and the skill that goes into it, That forever changed my impression of batik. It's really stunning and I think the whole world should get to experience it. When I first moved to Malaysia, I was working in tourism and I found that that I just loved the culture, I loved the people of Malaysia, I loved the food of Malaysia. Um, I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) And uh, I also thought at the same time that there was a gap in the market I was a bit frustrated when I wanted to travel back to visit my family or friends that I couldn't find a quality produced gift and souvenir that was actually locally made or benefiting anyone um, or was in colors or prints that I liked. So I always thought that someone should do something about that. And usually that means someone else should do something about that. And when I moved to Kuala Lumpur and I met these women and I saw their need and I saw their uh, desire to really want to make a change in their family, I merged what I knew from tourism which was this fact that um, tourists will come spend money and um, extra money when they travel and buy something quality to take back where they're from, with also the skill set that women needed to sew. So I merged this idea of a tourism gift with what the skill set was with sewing, and that's actually how Bhati was born. I first began Bhati Boutique as a charity effort in 2010 when I met women living in the PPR flats, which is the government housing, the subsidized housing in Malaysia. And in 2013, I made a choice to become a Sindarin Berhad, a business um, as a social enterprise, because I realized to really help a community to make impact, we needed a business model around it. Batik Boutique exists to disrupt the cycle of poverty amongst artisans in Malaysia. Um, So, the main things we discovered through all of our on-the-ground research and interacting with people and communities here was that often um, artisans and women specifically, they needed skills training and they needed an opportunity to earn fair wages. So the two things that we, whatever we do, we keep as our, our mantra before us is that we provide skills training and we provide economic opportunity. You know what's really cool about being an entrepreneur? is that I wake up every day with a feeling of potential and a feeling of hope and a feeling of purpose in what I'm doing. And yeah, I do lots of things every day. I'm a mother of 3 children. I wake up every morning. I settle my kids' breakfast and their clothing and their food and I, you know, get them out the door if they're going to school or set them up on their e-learning. I do all of those things that we all do. I put my lipstick on in the car half the time and I run into the office and I greet everyone in the morning and I walk in with a sense of expectation that what I'm doing matters and that there's opportunity. So you never know. I spend a lot of my days in our office, which is upstairs from our boutique. I do a lot of conversations about logistics and design and corporate customers and spreadsheets and finances and HR and all these things that's daily in my life. But I'm doing that with the sense of, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you don't know who you're gonna to talk to today. You don't know what opportunity will present itself. And lots of potential opportunities come, and, and of course, they don't all right? Like they don't all happen, but some do. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's the exciting part with like my life. It's never gonna be the same, 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 same thing every day. A lot of days are monotonous and are very normal, but I'm just really um, driven by that potential and the hope that, Something is going to happen today that's going to be a game-changer, and we've just seen that happen over the years, too So it's what it's what keeps me keeps me going. I think as a woman entrepreneur I think we have an advantage because we're highly connected to the reason behind what we're doing and we're very connected to uh, Intuition and I think at the same time sometimes that's our weakness as well. I do think that um, we need to toughen up and that we need to work hard. And I think my advice is to help people understand nothing in life comes without hard work. It doesn't matter how lucky you get or how fast you think you can scale the business. End of the day, it's your work and it's your character that matters. And so for me, I'm trying to grow a company based on character and work ethic. And I love working with other women to bring them into that, to see us grow. That's my favorite thing to do. And I just challenge other women out there to don't shy back, like go for it, go for your dreams, go for it, but know you're gonna work hard too along the way and it's just worth it. It's worth it, but do it.